May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. When I was a child, I grew up uh, with two brothers, myself my mother. And my mother was wickedly cruel because she made us do chores. Yes, I know. It's unthinkable, isn't it? Um, she would make us do chores. And uh, one of the chores that I had often as a child was doing the dishes. I tell my sons, like, they don't know how good they have it. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I was the dishwasher, you know, like that we have a dishwasher. We put things in and it does it by itself. But I was, when, when, we, when I was a kid, I was the remote control, you know. Like, my mother would say, turn that TV to channel three or channel seven. Thank goodness we only had a few channels, you know, what we do now. Um, it, it was difficult growing up in my world. And I know that you're feeling really bad for me right now. And then I grew up and got married and had kids became the dad. And things change, you know. Um, but I remember this about doing chores when I was young, is that I would have to do the dishes mostly, and, um, and I would do nearly all of them. But my mother had this belief in um, cast iron skillets, and it seemed like everything that she cooked in a cast iron skillet, like, clung to it, like, with a death grip, you know. Um, getting that off was almost impossible. So I would do what you would probably do, which was fill it up with water and leave it in the sink and say, oh, it needs to soak for a while. I'm still the master of soaking stuff. You used to ask my wife. I, everything still needs to be soaked, which is a good way of, of not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, you put it in the sink, you walk off, and it, it soaks. It does itself. You know, I come back, and it's miraculously disappeared. Um, and that's what I would do. I would, I would do the part that I had to do and leave the hard job for my mom, you know, and she would do it. She was grateful, I think, to have some of it done. Um, now that I'm the dad, I kind of see how this works. You know, uh, my sons have chores. And let me tell you how it usually goes. They do just a little bit of it and leave most of it for me. You know, it's like, I don't know where they got this pattern, but they, they would do a little bit of the work and they leave the hard part for me. The chores have to get done, right? I mean, they have to get done. If you want a clean dish to eat out of, somebody has to wash it. If you want the grass to grow, somebody has to rake the leaves. You know, if you want something, you know, you, you have to do the work. Chores are required. But they're not just necessary for life. The thing that I discovered is they're necessary for character as well. There's something about doing work that actually builds character, about having a requirement, a necessity to do this. And now my older sons, the three older ones, are I mean, they're, they're fantastic workers, you know, and then they go off and they, they work really hard. And the younger one, we're still working, oh, he's still in process, but he's coming along okay. It, it takes a long time to build character. St. Paul has been writing this letter to the Thessalonians. We've kind of worked our way through it. He has some interesting things to say to them. He tells them about how their faith has become famous around the world. He tells them about how they know that they can trust him, how he's an authentic witness. He says how he longs to come and see him again and can't wait. And remember, this is one of the first Christian communities in Europe. This is northern part of Greece and Macedonia, one of the very first Christian communities in the European continent. And as Paul works through his letter, and he kind of comes to the end, he does what he almost always does. He has, like, this reason for writing. He he expresses his gratitude to people. He tells how grateful he is, kind of goes through the problems that need to be corrected or things that need to be addressed. And then he ends with this sort of what's called a paranesis. This is is what uh, Greek philosophers would do, like moral reasoning. Now, let me just tell you some things that you should do. And he does a lot of that. 
In chapter 4, he talks about avoiding sexual immorality and its opposite, embracing brotherly love, and to be ready because the Lord is coming soon. As he's about to land this plane, you know, the final metaphor he would never have used, as he's about to finish up this letter, he, he, he turns and he has a, like a list of things. So it's like a book of Proverbs right in here, kind of stuck in the end of the fifth chapter. If you would, if there's a Bible nearby and you have access to it, those, those black pew Bibles, it's page 1174. It's the end. And, and the reason I'm not disappointing you to your bulletin is because um, Martha was away this week and I had to do the bulletin. All the mistakes are mine. And one of the big ones is I left two verses out of the New Testament reading. Okay, and so we have to, we have to pick those up real fast before we um, get to where we're going. In, so in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, like I said, in the, in the hardback um, pew Bibles, it's page 1174, I'm almost certain. Am I right about that? Somebody nod this way if I got that right page. Okay. This is the end of his letter. I want you to notice this. We ask you, brothers... And this could be brothers and sisters as well. Paul means it in that way. In, in an ancient world, this is just the way you talk. Okay, but, so we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And then he goes on in verse 14, and we urge you, brothers. You notice that, that contrast between verse 12, we ask you, and verse 14, we urge you. It's kind of cranking up the, the request a little bit, isn't it? It, it? He's he's coming a little bit more serious. And so what I think Paul is talking about in the, this in part is, is how do we live in this life between coming to faith in Christ and waiting on the Lord to return? What are we to do? And there's a lot of things that we need to do. But there's one part is that we need to do our part. We need to do our part. And there's four ways in which I think he says to do that. And the first one is, he says, to respect the elders and the ones who labor among you in the church. Um, he doesn't use this word, presbyteroi, but he does elsewhere. Presbyteroi, we get the word priest. Um, those who are elders, clergy among you, respect them. In fact, know them is what he says. Three things that he notices that they do. They labor. He says, um, it's, it's odd, uh, his language here. We ask you, verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Over you in the Lord is really not a great translation, what Paul says in his original Greek. Actually, what he says is those who stand in front of you, prosistemi, those who are standing in front of. It's the word we would use for leadership. Those who are leaders among you, those who are standing in front, standing in front is not always a great place to be, especially if you're in battle. <laughs> because standing in front means you're the one that's closest to the arrow, right? Uh, honor those who, or know those who work among you, who stand in the front, who are leaders, and who admonish you. This is to teach, those who are teaching. What is our part? The first thing is to respect those who are in authority over us. But then the second part, and this is where we uh, uh, pick up in verse 14, um, and we urge you. Now, uh, this is a a greater sense of intensity. We urge you uh, to, uh, to, uh, to encourage you, brother, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. We encourage you to do these things. To admonish, to encourage, to help, 
to forbid, he says, don't allow anyone to return evil for evil. Think about these are all commands. In, in Paul's uh, Greek, these are all second person plural. Listen, y'all, y'all need to encourage, y'all need to admonish, y'all need to forbid, y'all need to help, y'all need to be patient. When I lived in Kentucky, it was real easy to do the second person plural. In Ohio, not so easy. It could be you as in, you know, this whole congregation is you, or I could speak to Marie and say, you, Marie, same word, you, you. In Kentucky, no. You is a singular. Second person plural, y'all. You know, it was one word. Uh, O-Y apostrophe A-L-L. Y'all. And you want to be emphatic? All y'all. All All y'all better pay attention. You better encourage one another and help one another and be kind to one another. Forbid people from doing evil to evil. And notice, it's everyone. Everyone's involved in this. This isn't a job for priests. This is a job for everybody, for all who follow Christ. So, do your part. Respect the elders. Participate fully. The third thing, verse 16. Look at this one with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice uh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. You notice the emphatic, right? Rejoice how often? Always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And anybody who's lived more than one day knows that this is a very difficult thing to do. There are times when rejoicing is easy. We get to baptize a baby today. One of my favorite things to do as a priest. Baptize a baby. And and other things is we get to do weddings, priests do. You get to, to be at people's greatest day of their life. Fantastic. Easy to rejoice in those things. But being a priest also means going to somebody's bed at the last moments of life. It means presiding at funerals. It means counseling with couples who are struggling in their marriage. You know, this is what life is like, though, for all of us. You know, maybe I see it on a broader scale, but all of us see this. All of us know people with whom we can rejoice, and all of us have pain in our life. If you don't have pain in your life and you've never experienced it, please see me afterward. I want to know your secret. Because life is pain and difficulty. And St. Paul says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. How can one do this? Only by this. Only by believing that everything that happens in our life has meaning. Not that God orders every pain, but that God redeems every pain. And in a span of time that is eternity, God will make all things right. We are going to suffer because of evil in this world. All of us are going to. But God can redeem all of those evils. And in a belief in providence that he will not allow one of those to go by unnoticed. So embrace a positive life. It's not easy. But depend upon providence that God leads in all things. Fourth thing. And then reject cynicism. The opposite. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. Don't quench the spirit. This is, a, this is throwing water on a flame. Don't do that. Don't do that among the church. Don't quench the spirit. If there's fervor in a person, encourage that. I remember um, 
uh, this story that a, a friend of mine told. He's a, he's a professor at a seminary. And, um, and he said when he was really young that the president of, um, of Harvard Divinity School invited him to dinner. He said, so here I am, you know, at Harvard Divinity School, and I'm at the president's uh, house for dinner. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking about, you know, um, I had just come to faith and how encouraged I was and how, how fired up I was and all these things. And, and, and the president's wife made this very cutting, mean remark where she said, oh, what are we going to do with self, such self-righteousness? And he said, she cut me down. I felt so low. I didn't intend to be self-righteous. I was just excited, he said. He said, and then that president of the, universe, of the seminary got up and he said he walked behind me. And he put his hands on my shoulder and looked at his wife. And he said, you know what, dear? The church has far bigger problems with ice than it does with fire. And he said, you know what? My friend says, oh, my goodness. Suddenly I was back up. <laughs> I felt back. The church has a far bigger problem with ice than it does with fire. Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Don't stifle it. Don't, don't cause it to go out in people. Encourage that flame. Don't despise prophecies. Another quick story. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to tell this. It's like, I told it to a few of you. Perhaps a, a couple of people heard this. Um, you know the whole um, speaking in tongues bit that goes on in, in a lot of churches? Um, for a long time, I really despised that practice. I felt it was, I thought it was silly. I thought it was, um, I thought it was juvenile. Um, I thought it was fake. And I went to England and I was at a church, Holy Trinity Brompton, an Anglican church. And I was in a group of people, a small group of people, a dozen or so. And, and, and there was some, uh, a priest who said, I want you to stand in a circle. I'm going to pray for you. And he said, some of you may feel, you know, uh, the power of the Lord come on you. You may do crazy things. You may start speaking in tongues. And you know what inwardly was going on in my mind, don't you? Oh, yeah, right. Um, I hope not. This is going to be cheesy. I don't want that. You know, um, all these sort of things. I was thinking negative about it. And then this priest came around, and he, he lays hands on me, and he starts praying for me. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm going to tell you right now. Here I am, standing in a pulpit, reminding myself that there's a noose hanging around my neck. Here's what happened. It's St. Paul's in, in, in London, St. Paul's um, uh, Sheffield. Uh, yeah, no, not St. Paul's Sheffield. Another St. Paul's. I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, I'm up in the upstairs room. There's a fellow praying for me. I'm standing there thinking, let's hurry up and get this over. And, um, and all of a sudden, my chest started beating out of control. And my, my neck kind of clenched up. And my teeth, literally, I mean, began to chatter. Like, you know, when you're really cold. And I thought to myself, no way. No way, you know, and I'm holding on. And I've got eyes closed. His eyes are closed. He's praying for me. This guy's name is Sandy Miller. And he says, Joe, he says, I don't know why, but the Lord is telling me that that if you wanted to, he would enable you to speak in tongues right now. And, I, mm-hmm. and um, he said, have you ever done that? I said, no. <laughs> I could barely get my mouth open to say no. He said, do you want to do that? I said, no. <laughs> and he started laughing. And he grabbed me and he hugged me and I didn't do it. And I left that day knowing that I had resisted the will of God in my life for no other reason than my own pride. That I didn't want to do this because this is wrong, this is silly, this is foolish, and I've said silly things about it. St. Paul said, do not despise those sorts of things. Prophecies, the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. 
embrace positivity, reject cynicism. It's okay to test for authenticity, but don't reject the spirit. Do your part. Do these these things. But that's not the end of the story. The Christian life is not just about us working hard. It's not just about us trying to do our best. He, He ends with this. Verse 23, look with me. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about what we do. It's about what God does. May God, may the spirit of God sanctify you. God who makes us holy, not us ourselves. God who sets us apart, not us ourselves. God who turns us from being the kind of people that we are to being the kind of people that he wants us to be, to be saints. That he will do it. Isn't that a wonderful sound? I love that. God is at work in us. He himself will do it. This is third person singular, not you. This is God. He himself will be at work. When I was a boy, you know, doing those dishes... I would do the, the easy part, and I'd leave the hard part for my mom. And many times I have gone out to rake leaves. I've sent the boys out to rake leaves. They'd be out there for hours, and I'd go out, and almost nothing was accomplished. But in me, I could go out there in 45 minutes, and we'd get the whole thing done. And I wonder, what in the world were they doing out there the whole time? Throwing leaves at each other and sticks and whatever else. They did almost nothing. I came out, and the hard work got done. This is what Paul is saying about us. Do our little bit and trust God to do the rest. And he will. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.